Hi there, this is Danny Klein Modisette, welcoming you to the Afterbirth Podcast, where we feature real stories about raising kids that you're not going to read in a parenting magazine. Please come out to the next live Afterbirth show at the M Bar in Hollywood on Saturday, June 16th, and it's going to feature Dan Bukatinsky, Stephen Craig, and lots of great other writers. You can call the M Bar at 323-856-0036 for reservations. Now today, from the archives, we're sharing a story from writer-producer Mark Hudis called The Gay Straight Dad. It was recorded at the Triad Theater in New York City in 2008. Um, here's my dirty little secret. I am the gayest straight man in America. If I didn't enjoy sex with women, I'd be living in a Greenwich Village walk-up with six cats, potpourri, and Jim J. Bullock. <laughs> Last year, I dragged my poor wife Natalia to Stephen Sondheim's 75th birthday party at the Hollywood Bowl. When Angela Lansbury stepped on stage, I did this. <gasps> Then I joined in as 49,000 gay men, sang along to Sweeney Todd, and I knew more words than all of them. <laughs> and I'm proud to admit that although I have not seen Speed Racer, Indiana Jones, <clears throat> I have seen Sex in the City once, and will be happy to see it twice if anybody will go with me. <laughs> when I found out Natalia was pregnant, I did the least masculine thing possible. I wept, I bought a dozen parenting books, I curled up with some sleepy time tea, and I read about fatherhood. The book seemed thorough enough, but after being a dad for nearly a year and a half, I realized something. Those books are written for real men. <laughs> Manly men who use power saws and play through the pain and couldn't sing along with Janice Page, belting out, I'm not at all in love from the original cast recording of The Pajama Game if their life depended on it. <laughs> the book simply didn't prepare me for the three biggest challenges of fatherhood because those challenges are unique to overly emotional men. Men like me who cry more easily than a room full of premenstrual women watching mute orphans reenact scenes from the notebook. <laughs> Overly emotional father challenge number one. How to stop yourself from crying and or exploding when your 10-month-old thinks you're a douchebag. <laughs> it was six in the morning. Josh, he was awake, and even though I put him to bed only 11 hours earlier, I missed him. I was excited to start the morning daddy style with a big old toss in the air, the customary scraping of diarrhea off his balls. <laughs> and time permitting some competitive peekaboo. So I snuck up to his door, opened it just a crack, peeked through to see him grinning from ear to ear, staring expectantly at the ajar door, and I threw it open and cheered, Joshy! And he said, No! No, mama, mama. So I kept smiling and I said, Josh, it's me, daddy. I did a funny dance, I made funny faces. I gave him a little tickle and then he said, no, mommy. Now real men, I'm told, would shrug this off, change the kid's diaper and never give this massive rejection by an infant another thought. But I couldn't let it go, I am too emotional. My mood swung from despondent to irritated and beyond until I wanted to say to Josh, look, you little asshole, I pay for everything. <laughs> that blanket you're using to dry your little baby tears? Mine. Mr. Hippo in the barnyard of joy? Mine. 
the calcium your body uses to build bones so you don't collapse like a souffle was in the milk. I bought for you. <laughs> and I didn't buy the milk at Ralph's. I bought it at Whole Foods because I want only the best for my boy since you mean more to me than life itself. So when I come into your room, I don't want crying and rejection. I want smiles and accepted and peals of delighted fucking laughter. Do you hear me? I, di I didn't say any of that to my infant son. I didn't. <laughs> Overly emotional father challenge number two, maintaining inner peace despite a greatly increased number of accusations from my lovely wife that I am stupid. <laughs> we all know trying to save your marriage by having a baby is like trying to ward off a heart attack by eating a creme brulee filled cow. <laughs> Luckily, Natalia and I have a good marriage, and before we had a son, our fights were basically foreplay. You know, Mark, I'm the lucky one in the relationship. No, Natalia, I'm the lucky one. No, I am. No, I am. No, I am. Touch black. No backs. No, I am. Touch your boob. No, I... <laughs> but since we both have volatile tempers, when we do have real fights, it's a lot like the first 20 minutes of Saving Private Ryan. funny to you guys. <laughs> Not funny in my house. So before Josh was born, we only argued when there was really something to argue about because Natalia, knowing how emotional I am, would only bring up something if it were really bothering her. But since Josh's arrival and the increased stress that can bring, Natalia has lost a bit of her ability to shield me when I annoy her. For instance, Natalia, Mark, could you grab me Josh's blue shoes? So I go to his room, grab the shoes, bring them to Natalia. Natalia, I said, his blue shoes, me. Those are his blue shoes. Natalia, no, those are his teal slippers. <laughs> me, oh, they look blue. Natalia, only if you're colorblind. And they're not shoes, they're slippers. Me, what's the difference? Natalia, the difference is slippers are for walking inside, shoes are for walking outside. Me, well, Josh doesn't walk anywhere. <laughs> so technically, he wears shoes for decoration. And so the neighbors don't think we're poor. And by the way, they look like shoes. Natalia, yes, they do look like shoes if you're brain damaged. Me, well, I know I'm brain damaged because I married you. Natalia, well, guess what, pal? You weren't my first choice. You whore, suck my ass! This kind of argument would have been unthinkable before we had a baby. Not anymore. And it's my fault because most real men, I am told, would be secure enough to let an occasional prickly comment slide. But I can't. I feel every barb too deeply, so I fuel the fire and we can honestly wind up fighting about anything. Lawn care, top chef, anything as mundane, something even as mundane as telling time. Me, I think Josh could use a nap, Natalia. He's only been up for two hours. Me, more like two and a half. <laughs> Natalia, um, no, he woke up at seven, and now it's nine. Me, mm, he woke up at 6.43. I had set my alarm for 6.45, and when I heard him squeak, I remember saying, ugh, I could have slept for two more minutes. 
Natalia, do you remember playing Leapfrog with a unicorn? Because that never happened. I woke up with Joshi at 7, and I know this because I flipped on the TV and Today Show was just starting. Me, okay, you're delusional, and he woke up at 6.43. Natalia, you have early onset Alzheimer's, 7. Me, 6.43, and you're getting fat. <laughs> Natalia, 7, which is twice as long as your dick, in inches. Me, how would you know you haven't touched my dick in three months? <laughs> Natalia, best three months of my life. Ice queen, bald midget. <laughs> Overly emotional challenge number three. Getting used to the idea that the first year of your baby's life is a party for two and you are not invited. <laughs> it's just that simple. Babies need their mommies, they need their warmth, and they need their immunity, and they need their milk, and their touch, and their love. All babies need from their fathers is 23 chromosomes and approximately $60,000. <laughs> While Natalia was pregnant, I daydream about the future, and in my mind's eye, I see us as a family of three skipping places, group hugging, rolling up our pants legs and going down to the old fishing hole. But most of all, I pictured myself as a leader, a pillar of knowledge, strength, and comfort like my dad was for me when I was little. And that was my fantasy. Reality was different. What I imagined, Joshi bumps his head. Natalia is traumatized, so I spring into action, scoop up the baby, and with a few deft moves, have him laughing just seconds later. My wife looks on in loving attraction and admiration as our family bond is strengthened. <laughs> Reality. Josh bumps his head. Before Natalia can get to him, I scoop him up to prove what a great caregiver I am, hoist him onto my shoulders, and accidentally smack his head against the top of a door frame. He screams, Natalia takes him to the mall, and I don't see either of them for six hours. What I imagined. Joshy can't sleep. Natalia can't calm him. I stride in, say a few magic words, and he drifts off for 12 hours. Natalia is so turned on by my parenting skills, we make love all night long. <laughs> Reality, Josh can't sleep. I can't calm him. Natalia strides in. I snap, I can do it! Turns out I can't. Josh throws up. Natalia takes over. I skulk off to the den to masturbate. <laughs> I don't actually want any of this to come across as overwhelmingly negative. Um, <laughs> I'm really, really blessed. It's almost embarrassing. I have a great wife who's bright and funny. I have a son who's a never-ending joy, a home life that's wonderful. But I do tend to feel things more acutely than some people, both criticism and praise. Um, I spent 30 days at the Betty Ford Center a few years ago to treat an addiction to Vicodin, which is really, really calming. And while I was there, the medical staff explained that this common trait uh, of being very sensitive is common among addicts, a heightened sensitivity to everyday feelings. Before treatment, it felt like a burden, but I've actually come to realize it's a blessing. It just means a life of higher highs and lower lows. Um, and sadly for Natalia and Joshi, it means having to endure spontaneous outbursts of guys and dolls and how to succeed in business without really trying. <laughs> but I hope they don't mind too much. Thank you. <laughs> For more information about Afterbirth, the book, the show, or to comment on the podcast, please go to www.afterbirthstories.com. Our next Afterbirth show will be at M-Bar in Hollywood on Saturday, June 16th. 
The number to call for reservations is 323-856-0036. I hope to see you there. Thanks for listening.